Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us bad. My name is Bill, this is episode 28. Thanks for listening. How's your week been, guys? Things are doing well here. It's time for another episode of classic video gaming excitement. So let's get right to it. Looking at the news portion of my notes, it's time for an Atari movie update. Like my sound effect there. In this week's Atari movie update, as you know, back in May, Atari announced that it was teaming up with a film production company to produce movies based on classic games Centipede and Missile Command. Since then, we have been told that the films are in development and not much else. I launched a furious, frenzied Twitter campaign that has taken the internet by storm to have them draft me to write this one or both of these films. And I am proud to announce today that, yeah, nothing really has happened. I have not heard from anybody. If Twitter had a button you could press for the sounds of crickets chirping, that would be what you would get whenever I tweet at the Atari people. It's a little bit like trying to get the cheerleader in high school to look at you. Well, now I'm all depressed bringing that up, so let's move on. In other news, San Diego Comic-Con was a thing that just happened. I have certain nerdy fandoms. I'm a huge, as I've mentioned many times on the show, huge Doctor Who fan. I'm somewhat of a Star Wars fan, and I like various other things here and there. This year, so I, you know, I paid a little bit of attention to Comic-Con each year, but I don't necessarily follow everything that's going on. But it doesn't seem like there was a whole lot of big Comic-Con news this year. However, one thing that did come out of the whole week of nerdiness was a trailer for the new Star Trek TV series that will be debuting on CBS in January. As I understand it, premiere episode will be available on the network some night in January and then the show will go to their live streaming service and you'll have to pay for it if you want to see it. I'm not thrilled about this. I'm going to see how much the thing costs before I decide whether to pony up the money to watch the thing or not even though I am a Star Trek fan. I gather that around the world except for the United States and Canada you'll be able to get the new Star Trek series on Netflix but yeah not in the U.S. or Canada. So we'll see. But at any rate, we got a little peek, as it were, this week of the new Star Trek series. For one thing, we found out the name of the show, Star Trek Discovery. I can't decide if I'm in love with that name or not. And we got to see the ship that will be featured in the show. So we got that little bit of insight. We know that it's going to center around Starfleet Starship. And the ship is called, we're told, Discovery. Hence the name of the show. We don't know necessarily what era the new show takes place in. The ship looks a little bit like the Enterprise. Looks a lot like the Enterprise, actually. But to me, it kind of looks like a mix of Next Generation era Enterprise and uh, original series Enterprise. And it's got a slightly different color. It almost look almost bronze in color to me, the, the time or two that I watched the trailer. Other more Trekkie people than me have made observations about how, oh, you know, it kind of looks like it's inspired by a Romulan ship or something. I'm not that deep into the ship design in the Star Trek universe, 
So to me, it looked, like I said, a lot like the Enterprise with bronzer. Maybe the Enterprise, you know, as interpreted by Donald Trump or something. So I'm curious. I hope it's a good show. I hope I get to see it for less than an outrageous amount of money. So we'll see. Moving away from the news desk and running over to the gaming desk, it's time to announce this week's game. I know this may be a shock to you. This week's game is Atlantis, an iMagic game from 1982. So what do we have here? Ooh, grab hold of something. Be a little bit of a story. I'm not doing the whole story time opener for this because it's not like a whole story, but we get a setup. And on a story-based Atari podcast, I appreciate that. So here's the setup. The ancient city of Atlantis, a city beneath the sea, a civilization greater than any the world has ever seen. One day, a low drone is heard throughout the ocean metropolis. The stars go out. Hold on. You're under the sea. Where are the stars? They're way up in the sky, right? They're above the sea. How can you see the stars from your ocean metropolis? Anyway, Gorgon vessels fill the sky. Again, you're under the sea, not the sky. Hounding the city mercilessly, a cry reaches every citizen. Defend Atlantis before it becomes a watery grave. Atlantis and the Gorgon Fleet. Atlantis, fabled city of antiquity, lies in peaceful waters. The major districts of the city, the Aqua Plain, the Domed Palace, and the Brigade Bazaar, murmur with activity while vital generators were. Three defense posts guard the skies over the metropolis. An ominous sound penetrates the sea surrounding the city. The Gorgon fleet, fierce warriors intent on demolishing Atlantis, attack in force. How long can the city withstand the assault? Game objective. Defend Atlantis! Exclamation point. Blast Gorgon vessels before they come close enough to demolish Atlantis with the death ray. Score big, and you can replace parts of the city the Gorgons have hit. Game ends when all seven of Atlantis's installations have been leveled, and none is left in reserve. Console controls. Basically, you're using the left joystick on this, and the right joystick, obviously, if you're playing a two-player game. Difficulty levers do not affect gameplay. Gameplay. You control the three Atlantean defense installations with your joystick. A sentry post guards either side of the city. They cannot be destroyed. To fire left, sentry post. Lean joystick left and press the red button. To fire right, sentry post. Lean joystick right and press the red button. The Acropolis command post defends the center of Atlantis. The Acropolis command post projects a powerful force field that protects the other six Atlantean installations. As a result, the Gorgon death ray must demolish it before the rest of Atlantis becomes vulnerable to attack. To fire the Acropolis command post, just press the red button with the joystick centered. You score each time you vaporize a Gorgon vessel. You must hit the ship directly to score. Large Gorgon vessel? Command post shots, 100 points. Sentry post shots, 200 points. Gorgon bandit bomber, 1,000 points for the command post shots, 2,000 points for sentry post shots. At each end of a wave, you receive 500 points for each part of Atlantis that survives the Gorgon assault. For every 10,000 points you score, a destroyed part of Atlantis is restored at the end of the current wave of attack. If you earn credits during a wave but do not lose any installations, those credits will be saved for the end of a wave during which you do suffer losses. The small Gorgon Bandit bomber is fast and powerful. I'll attest to that. Hit it, and the explosion knocks out all other Gorgon vessels in the sky. You score only for the Bandit bomber, though. 
Game variations. One-player games are games 1, 2, and 4. Two-player game is game 3, the special team version. The left joystick fires the left sentry post, the right joystick fires the right sentry post, and the Acropolis command post does not fire. In those three one-player games, game 1 has wave after wave of Gorgon's attack. You survive one wave only to face faster foes in the next wave. The two sentry posts and the Acropolis command post respond to your joystick orders. Game 2 Identical to Game 1, but the Acropolis command post has been disabled and cannot fire. Place your shots well. Game 4 is, they say, the perfect game for learning to play Atlantis. Game 4 does not increase in speed as rapidly as the other versions, while still remaining a challenge. Later waves are a test for any player. I played Casino in the field report Game 1. Note, new players might want to take the right joystick as it fires automatically. This is, again, they're talking about the two-player game. Game 4 does not increase in speed as rapidly as the other versions, while... Hold on. Sorry, I skipped uh, skipped a line there. Special audio signals. The drone of Gorgon vessels can always be heard. You'll notice that in the audio from the field report, by the way. Your weapon fire drowns out all other sounds. Learn to place your shots well. If you fire constantly, you won't hear bandit bombers approach. I didn't pick up on that when I was playing the game, and it would have helped, because I was decimated, for, honestly... Spoiler, pretty quickly, because I did not pay attention to the bandit bombers. That's a good lesson for life. The Gorgon bandit bombers make a loud humming sound. Listen for it. You can anticipate their appearance. Although, frankly, you know, having said all that and how I didn't pay attention, I'm not sure what you would really do differently, because the bandit bombers come in and they strafe you, and you can only press as fast as you can press the red button. And your shots only go, you know, one direction. That direction depending on which one you're firing. Listen for the series of beeps that mark the end of a wave. Five short and four long beeps sound. Game action pauses and your score is adjusted for bonus points. Tactical tips. Gorgon vessels stay in formation, circling down from the highest level to one closest to Atlantis. Gorgon vessels can only fire the death ray when close to the city. Blast them before they reach the fourth lane of approach. The Acropolis command post can knock out a Gorgon vessel, even a bandit bomber, while it's firing the death ray. You have to be quick and accurate. Practice! This instruction manual is kind of bossy, man. Risk letting bandit bombers get close to the planet's surface. If you hit planet surface, you're in your undersea metropolis. If you hit one, then, you'll demolish all Gorgon vessels in formation behind it. In advanced waves, the death ray will not always blast one of the whirring, whirling generators. This earns you another chance, but not for long. Atlantis, its last installation devastated, explodes in a fury of fire and radiation. Kinda like after you have lunch at Taco Bell. This episode of Atari Bites, sponsored by Taco Bell. Make a run for the border, or wherever you need to, to take care of business. There, I think we've pretty much assured Taco Bell's never going to sponsor this show. Okay, so as I said, Atlantis, its last installation devastated, explodes in a fury of fire and radiation. But wait, a satellite streaks into space. Where is it bound? Has someone survived the Gorgon onslaught? Can the cosmic arc repopulate the ocean metropolis? The saga continues. Designed by Dennis Coble. Document converted to HTML by etc. etc. I got this manual off of Atari Age, by the way. Alright, so back in episode 24 of Atari Bytes, we talked about a game called Cosmic Arc, which I just mentioned in reading the 
Atlantis manual. Cosmic Art's pretty fun. Cosmic Arc is a pretty fun game, where you shoot meteors from your arc, giant spaceship, before the meteor meteors can destroy your ship, the Cosmic Arc. Then you deploy your space pods, which I kept trying to call shuttlecraft because I'm a Trekkie. You deploy your space pods to scoop up the creatures on the planet's surface below to quote-unquote rescue them before supposedly their sun goes supernova. After that episode went out that week, I got a tweet from Jim, who is at Yinxy, Y-N-X-Y, on Twitter, and he commented that he thought that the end of Atlantis, the events at the end of Atlantis, were the setup for the game Cosmic Arc, and he totally blew my mind, because it turns out he was right. At the end of Atlantis, you see the Cosmic Arc launch into space presumably to go play out the events of the game Cosmic Arc. When I did Cosmic Arc for the show, I, first of all, had only played it a few times. I really enjoyed it, but, like I say, only a few times, and I hadn't really played Atlantis at all, except uh, literally once to test the cartridge after I got it. Um, and I had not read the manual, so I didn't know the bit about the Cosmic Arc. And so Yinxie, my Twitter friend, Jim totally blew me away. Alright, history lesson, literature lesson, trivia lesson, whatever you want to call it. The lost civilization of Atlantis is an actual thing, at least in terms of something that exists outside of this video game. The lost civilization of Atlantis originated in ancient Greek myths. Plato, not Mickey Mouse's dog, that's Pluto. Plato used the story of Atlantis an enemy fighting Athens that falls out of favor with the gods and ultimately sinks into the ocean, as a metaphor warning people against the arrogance of nation-states. So that's where Atlantis originated. It is not, contrary to popular belief, the home of Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, and Elvis. I know you're shocked. It was instead a warning for us all about those with power becoming arrogant with that power. And that seems like a very timely lesson, looking at you, British Brexit voters, and looking at you, literally everyone in government in the United States, and everyone pretty much voting right now, or arguing about who to vote for. Okay, so if it's arrogance we're after, thanks to Plato, then this show is definitely the right place. After the break... We'll put that arrogance into practice. Sitting here in my Sebastian the Crab suit, ready for my big moment. Here it is. Under the sea. Under the sea. Hey, it's you and me. Then, doggy makes three under the sea. Come on, everybody. It's from the Little Mermaid. Right? That's what we're doing tonight. Oh, wait. Atlantis? Well, that's under the sea, too, I guess. Alright. My show tune Broadway debut will have to wait till later, I guess. 
It's an interesting looking game. We got the... Hey! Something just blew up my... Defense shield thing. Hey! That's not cool, you blew up one of my... Stop it! This could be a very short field report. Ah. Oh, got that one good. Lit up the whole sky. Although you're under the sea, I'm not really sure where the sky is in the sea. Where the sky ends and the sea begins. You stop that. Very Flash Gordon-y look about this. And the ships, actually, the ships flying overhead don't exactly look like the ships from Turmoil, but they look a lot like the ships from Turmoil. That one thing with the comes, there goes the cosmic arc. Bye, Atlantis. I hope you survivors took your Dramamine, because that flight on the cosmic arc is going to be pretty unpleasant. Otherwise, well, back to you in the studio. I like the look of this game. There's an intriguing Flash Gordon-y thing to it. The ships are kind of funky. I think I mentioned in the field report that they actually kind of remind me of the, the ships from Turmoil, which isn't a bad thing. The The game is very colorful, flashy, and like I said, it's just, I just got this weird sort of glitzy Flash Gordon vibe off of it. Atlantis itself looks kind of weird. Interesting weird, but still weird like a bunch of little installations on pedestals under the sea, but the sea, as it's rendered in the Satari game, kind of looks like a tropical fish aquarium. I also get this thing where looking at it seems to, in my head, invoke an image of Lex Luthor's swimming pool in the underground abandoned subway line hideout from the original Christopher Reeve Superman movie. Go back and watch it if you don't know what I'm talking about. So. It's just a very interesting looking game. And then you got the ships flying overhead. The man who keeps talking about them flying in the sky and the stars going out and stuff, but that's dumb, of course, because Atlantis is under the ocean. So these aren't necessarily spaceships flying over, they're like submarines, I guess. But that's a minor quibble, I suppose. Back in college, one of my roommates had an awesome PC game called Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, where Indy uses ancient artifacts to find the lost city before the Nazis do. Doctor Who, one of my favorite go-to programs in its 50-plus year history, has offered up no less than three distinct explanations for where the city of Atlantis came from. Atlantis, we all know, is Aquaman's hometown. What I'm saying is, Atlantis has inspired a lot of stories. And now it's our turn. Had to take a sip of wine. Drinking wine tonight because my sense is that the Atlanteans don't drink beer. I think they're wine drinkers. Anyway, so... Let's review. Story time. And as we all know, a story has five parts, right? The introduction, where you set up the story, you set the stage for the events that are going to unfold. You've got the rising action, where things are starting to happen. Characters are being introduced. Conflicts are being introduced. The action's getting into motion. Then you hit the climax, which is the peak of the story, where the crap hits the fan. And... Fate is decided, I guess. After the climax, you're starting to wind things down. You hit the falling action, where the ramifications of the climax are felt. And you start to get a sense of how the characters are going to end up. Which they do at the end of the story, which is the resolution or denouement. 
if you want to get fancy about it. So, when I play the game Atlantis, here's the story that comes to my mind. Introduction. There's a reason David Hasselhoff is despised among the Atlanteans. Years ago, the king of Atlantis, second cousin to Aquaman, four times removed, announced that Baywatch reruns would be beamed down from the surface, from land, to Atlantis. It's a show about lifeguards. Everyone in Atlantis is either a lifeguard or a shrimp cook. There's not a whole lot to do in Atlantis to keep the people happy. You either feed them. There's not a lot of cows or kale in Atlantis to eat. Or you keep them from floating off the plaza. That's really about all there is to do in the city of Atlantis, which is a submerged metropolis. So, the opportunity to watch a show about lifeguards? That's awesome! Only, here's the thing. The land Baywatch lifeguards are all tan and sexy. Not me, though. I look sort of like a grouper with a slightly better haircut. The Baywatch lifeguards have awesome girlfriends and boyfriends. My last girlfriend was a puffer fish. She left me for a sea urchin. She always did like the bad boys. Anyway, to make things worse, oh, now the Gorgons are attacking. Okay, so we've set the stage. We've got our characters, right? Me, Grouper Boy, the Gorgons. We're in the city of Atlantis. We've kind of got our base for the story here. Now we hit the rising action. I put down my new issue of Amphibious Archie and man the Atlantean defenses, which, let's review. The Atlantean defenses are the left sentry post, the right sentry post, and the Acropolis command post. I take the Acropolis command post because I'm awesome. Also, I have a little trouble tying left from right. That doesn't make me any less of a man. Anyway, what was I talking about? So, I manned my post, and I'm getting pretty good at this. Those years during my youth playing Aqua Atari have paid off. But then one Gorgon ship manages to slip through. And I know we're doomed, so I don't feel so bad about needing to change my pants. Only, this Gorgon ship doesn't just automatically come in and destroy Atlantis. It lands instead in Hammerhead Shark Park, and three Gorgons step out of the ship. They look alike. They're obviously sisters. And they are totally hot. Alright, so we've got our conflict set up, right? We're going to go mano a mano, uh, mano a mano. I guess, with me, my character, and these three Gorgon sisters. So, we're at the climax. Okay, so it turns out they're not really all that hot. I had thought their hair was flickering flame, which is dumb, of course, because, you know, we're in the water. But it turns out they just had snakes for hair, which, I gotta say, way sexier. They introduced themselves as Stentho... Uriel and Medusa. Man, even their names sound way out of my league. I turn my turn to my buddy, Bud, and say, Boy, my shields aren't the only thing I drop for them, am I right? Only, he doesn't respond, because he's turned to stone. Crap. I try calling Aquaman, but it goes to voicemail. That guy won't text and swim at the same time, so I know he's not going to answer my text either. I'm on my own, I guess. I grab my Flash Gordon Peacemaker and close my eyes, and squeeze the trigger. I miss completely, of course, because you can't shoot with your eyes closed. But then, two of the sisters step too close to the huge propeller that powers the most popular tourist attraction in Atlantis, the water park, go figure, and, well, let's just say those hair snakes are hair worms now. Only Medusa remains. She puts up her hands. It's 
kind of cute. At least I think she does. Or at least I think it's cute. Because, again, it's really hard to tell with my eyes closed. I win! I shout. She doesn't argue. So I guess we're good. Crisis over. The falling action. Okay, we've had our climax. We had our big showdown, our big conflict. And now we kind of start wrapping things up. Now that Atlantis is secure, I guess, Medusa starts asking me about where Margaret Mitchell is and blabbering about some book called Gone with the Wind. Wait, I say, are you looking for Atlanta? Turns out she was, and she's super embarrassed. Tears of laughter fill my eyes, but I don't open them. And then the Gorgon ship explodes, incinerating Atlantis and blasting the two of us out to sea. Fortunately, there's this big arc, weirdly, taking off, so we grab a hold and go along for the ride. All right. So now we come to the end of the story. The resolution, how things are going to get wrapped up. Me and Medusa are getting married next month. The hair snakes will be ushers at the wedding. And it'll be a beautiful ceremony. I guess. Hard to know, what with the closed eyes and all. But I'm pretty sure it'll be nice. Well, time to launch some space pods and round up my best man. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes on Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, and now many other places, including iHeartRadio. When given the chance, like on iTunes, please leave a review. Aquaman says thanks for doing that, only he says it telepathically to a squid, so you can't actually hear it. You can email us at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Show notes can be found at ataribytes.libsyn.com. You can like the Atari Bytes Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at ataribytes, A-T-A-R-I-B-Y-T-E-S. You can also follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Support the show financially, because we do have expenses, on our Patreon page and by buying Atari Bytes merchandise on our Zazzle.com store, ab underscore pod underscore store and also don't forget if you have fond memories of the animated adventures of snoopy and the peanuts gang or even if you just hate watch them check out my other show it's a podcast charlie brown next week on atari bites jungle hunt so until next time go play some old games they've missed you